Our scripture focus for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So we're continuing in chapter one of Mark's gospel today as we continue in this series on fresh starts. The Bible story that I just read there is the call of the first disciples, how they first became disciples, followers of Jesus, and how we become disciples, how we become followers of Jesus, or perhaps if our discipleship has been lagging, stalled out for a while, how we can get a fresh start in following Jesus. This story occurs very close to the beginning of Mark's gospel, where we started at verse 16. We're only 16 verses into the book, and already Jesus is calling out to fishermen to come follow him, and already they are dropping their nets and following this stranger to God knows where. I have to say that this version of the story, the way that Mark in particular tells it, gives me more difficulty than the others. There are uh, other versions of the story. We have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that all tell the story of Jesus and his disciples. And, and although each of them does tell about Jesus and his disciples, they all tell the stories a little bit differently. Uh, let me tell you how John tells this story. In John, Jesus is still down by the Jordan River. John the Baptist is still performing his ministry of baptizing people and preaching about the kingdom of God. When Jesus shows up on the scene, John the Baptist points him out to a couple of people and says, look, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Next day, same thing. Jesus walks by again. And again, John the Baptist says to the same two people, behold, the Lamb of God. So they decide to follow Jesus. Why? Well, because someone that they knew well and trusted deeply, namely John the Baptist, testified to who Jesus was. They knew that they could trust John's word. And so upon his advice, they sought out Jesus to get to know him for themselves. The next day they go and they find Andrew and Simon Peter and they tell them about Jesus. So Andrew and Simon Peter decide to follow. Why? Because these other two people, who they knew well and trusted deeply, testified about Jesus. They knew they could trust their words, so they decided to come and see for themselves. All of that makes perfect sense to me. That's generally how discipleship works, right? Someone you know well and trust deeply taught you about Jesus. Perhaps it was your grandmother. Maybe it was your parents. Might have been a close friend or a pastor who first told you about Jesus. And at some point, you decided to get to know him for yourself. That's often how it works. Not so in Mark's gospel. In Mark, Jesus shows up on the scene, this time by the Sea of Galilee, 
No witness of John the Baptist to the first disciples here. In this story, John's already been arrested. And besides that, they're in a different part of the country at this point. No witness from other disciples. None of them have even met Jesus yet. In Mark, Jesus, uh, Mark doesn't even suggest that they've even heard of Jesus before. Jesus just shows up on the shore next to where they are fishing, and he calls out to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Immediately. That's an important word in the Gospel of Mark. Immediately. Mark is by far the shortest of the four Gospels, but he uses that word immediately far more than any of the others. Everything happens immediately in Mark. It's a very short, very fast-paced gospel. If you're a type A personality, Mark is the gospel for you. He doesn't waste any time, and neither does Jesus. Jesus called out to Andrew and Peter. No introduction, no backstory, no chit-chat. He just called out to them, and immediately they followed. And then in the next verse, he saw James and John fishing with their father. Immediately he called to them, it says, and they left their father in the boat and followed. Can you picture that? This stranger comes along and says, follow me. And they say, bye, Dad. (laughs) And they get out of the boat and just leave him there. This gospel challenges me. I don't know that I could do that. I'm not a quick change kind of a person. I don't make, you don't have to laugh. I don't make snap decisions, and I certainly don't act quickly upon them. I didn't get my first cell phone until 2002. For those of you younger than me, cell phones have been around for a long time before 2002. Just about everybody had one, but not me. I didn't see the point. It wasn't until I was stuck in a traffic jam, the highway completely shut down, My first wife, who was pregnant at the time and had a broken ankle, was waiting for me on crutches to pick her up from school. I had no way of telling her what was happening. I was 45 minutes late, and when I finally got there, she said, we are getting cell phones. (laughs) I finally saw the point. An early adopter, I am not. I have to understand the point before I will make a big change. I'm not going to leave my dad out in a boat with the hired hand so that I can go off and follow some stranger just because he says, come follow me. I'm going to need a little bit more to go on than that. In fact, even John's gospel comes up a bit short for me in that regard. I I had lots of people whom I trusted and respected telling me why I needed a cell phone, but I didn't listen to any of them, not until I experienced it for myself the value of it. Perhaps Luke's gospel comes closest to what I need. Here's how Luke tells this story. Luke tells it uh, a bit differently than either Mark or John. Just as in Mark, Luke's version takes place by the Sea of Galilee while the disciples were out in their boats fishing. But in this story, Luke does describe some interactions that took place prior to Jesus inviting the disciples to come follow him. He even performed a couple of miracles first so that they would have something to go on. That's what I like to see. Give me some evidence before I make a decision that's going to change the rest of my life. In Luke, when Jesus comes upon the disciples who are out fishing, he doesn't call out to them 
from the shore. Rather, he gets into one of their boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter. And then he sits down in the boat and he begins to teach the crowds that have gathered at the shoreline. We probably have some fishermen here, right? <laughs> so, so imagine, you fishermen, that you're out on the lake, you're fishing, along comes a stranger that you've never heard of or seen before, and as you get close to the shore, he steps into your boat without introduction, without asking, and he sits down in your boat and launches into a lecture on religion. If you sit there and listen to him for a while, it's only because you didn't bring your firearm on the boat with you. <laughs> but you see, Simon Peter already knew who Jesus was before Jesus got into that boat and sat down. In fact, Jesus had already been in Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law had been sick with a high fever, and Jesus came into the house and healed her. So Peter already knew there was something special about Jesus. And so did the crowds that had gathered around at the seashore. Jesus had been performing many miracles in the region. A large crowd had begun to follow him. So when he first stepped into Peter's boat, everybody around had some sense that, that this Jesus was a very special person. No one yet imagined that he was the son of God, but at least they knew he was a miracle worker and a prophet. After teaching the crowds, Jesus told the men on the boats to, to cast out their nets once more, and they said they had been doing it all night long and hadn't caught a thing. But in obedience to him, they, they cast their nets again. And this time they hauled in so many fish that, that the nets began to break, that the two boats almost sank this was at least the second miracle that Jesus had performed right in front of Simon Peter's eyes. And it was at that point that Jesus said to Peter, fear not, from now on you will be catching people. And then Luke says, when they had brought the boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. After they had brought the boats to shore, I, I love the fact that they brought the boats to shore first. They, they put everything in place and then they left to become his disciples. Not like in Mark, where they leave dear old dad out in the boat to fend for himself. Now, some of the differences in these Gospels can be easily explained. Some of them cannot. It's quite possible that Mark simply left out parts of the story that were included in Luke. In Luke, this call of the disciples doesn't happen until chapter 5. In Mark, it happens 17 verses in. Obviously, Mark skips over a whole lot. It's possible that Mark just didn't tell about the previous interaction with Simon Peter when Jesus healed his mother-in-law and about Jesus getting into the boat and teaching the crowds and the miraculous catch of fish. Mark, Mark could have skipped over all of that, and, and still the stories of Mark and Luke could easily line up. That's more difficult with John. It's just not possible that Andrew and Simon Peter and the other first disciples first became disciples of Jesus down south at the Jordan River and up north at the Sea of Galilee. It's not possible that John the Baptist was there at the call of disciples and locked up in prison at the same time. Now, some people will be troubled by these differences. Some will spend lots of time trying to reconcile every last detail. Others will throw their hands up and decide that the Gospels are not reliable sources of truth. Both of those responses miss the point. 
the Gospels were told in, in their own certain ways because they were each written to address certain concerns and to teach certain lessons. We don't have to understand how every detail fits together historically in order to grasp the truth that the Holy Spirit is driving home in each one. Mark tells his gospel the way he does, skipping over many parts of the story, getting straight to the point, hurrying things along, immediately this, immediately that, because God wants us to understand that when it comes to discipleship, there isn't any time to waste. There, there aren't any preliminaries that have to happen before you become a disciple. There, there aren't any prerequisites or, or conditions that have to be met. There isn't a whole lot of business that you have to wrap up first. When it comes to following Jesus, there is simply the call of Christ and our decision to follow. Sure, there's a whole lot more to the story. A lot of things have gone on with us behind the scenes, before the invitation. Luke shows us that. John shows us that. But Mark gets straight to the point and shows us what it all boils down to. And what it all boils down to is this. Jesus invites us to come follow him, and we go. Without hesitation, without wasting any time. As I said, that can be hard for me. This gospel challenges me, perhaps more than all the others, because I want to have my questions answered before I sign up. I want to know what I'm getting into. What are the obstacles that I will face? What are the benefits that I will enjoy? Through the Gospel of Mark, the Holy Spirit tells me, you're not going to get all of that until way on down the line. First, there is the call of Jesus and my decision to follow. He provides everything else along the way. We need to be careful, too, about what Mark is not teaching here. This passage is not trying to suggest that you should drop everything to go off and follow some stranger that comes along and says, come follow me. We do ourselves and the Bible a disservice when we get hung up on the wrong details, like emphasizing the fact that the disciples had never met Jesus before, and yet they dropped everything to go follow him. And isn't that such a wonderful example of faith? No. That's stupid. <laughs> Kids, do not follow a stranger who tells you, come follow me, even if they look like Jesus. That is not the point of this story at all. That's why we have the other three Gospels, so that we don't make stupid interpretations like that. We know from Luke and John that the disciples did have at least some hint of who Jesus was before the call came. So they at least had something to go on when they had to make that choice to follow. But when the call came, they didn't hesitate. That's the point of this passage. They didn't hesitate. They didn't hem and haul. They didn't stand around and weigh out all the options. Do we really want to do this? I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of like my life the way it is right now. No. When the call of Christ came, immediately they left their nets and followed. That's what faith looks like. It's not completely blind but it doesn't wait for all the answers to be given either. Even if you are not already a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, you have at least some sense of who he is. We're not talking about a complete stranger here. Even if you're not 
a weekly churchgoer or a daily Bible reader, you probably already know enough about Jesus to decide if he's the kind of person that's worth following. If that's not the case, if you don't know anything about Jesus, please let me know after church. I would love to get together with you for lunch or for coffee and have the, inter- the opportunity to introduce him to you, to tell you about how Jesus welcomed people who were outcasts, people who were looked down on, how he made everyone feel welcome and special. Even people who others saw as nothing but sinners, Jesus showed them love and forgiveness, and he gave them a fresh start in life. I'd love to tell you the stories of Jesus criticizing the religious folks who thought that they were all that because they went to church every Sunday. And about how when those same religious folks said, we don't have time for the preschoolers here, this is big church, let them go sing their song somewhere else. Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. I want to tell you how Jesus, even though he was God, emptied himself of every privilege and became like us, for us, so that he could take our sin upon himself and take it away from us forever. How he was hung on a cross to die even though he had committed no crime, even though he had done no sin, even though he was perfect in every way, and how as the guards were driving the nails through his hands and feet, he prayed for them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, and wait. Just wait until you hear what happened three days later. When the women came to the tomb where where his dead body had been buried and they found that the tomb was empty because Jesus had been raised to new life. Jesus had defeated death once and for all. And he promised that everyone who trusts in him, everyone who chooses to follow him, will likewise be risen to new life. Death has no more power over us. There is a whole lot more to the story. There are plenty of details to be filled in, nuances to be explained, questions to be explored, but you don't have to wait until all those questions have been answered before you choose to follow. In fact, some of those questions won't be answered until long after you decide to follow. Some of them won't be answered until we get to heaven. But don't let that stop you from making the choice to follow because one day... It could be too late. He has already issued the invitation. For those of you who may have missed it before or ignored it in the past, he is issuing it to you again right now. Come, he says, follow me. Are you ready to do that? There's nothing standing in your way that he cannot remove. You, You don't have to clean yourself up first. In fact, you can't clean yourself up first. You can only trust him to do the job after you have committed yourself to him. Are you ready to follow? There's no time to waste. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we come to you in this time of worship, hearing your call upon us to come follow, 
to come be your disciples, to offer our lives to you, to trust you in everything. And Lord, that is so difficult, to trust you in everything. In fact, none of us can fully fulfill that. But you understand that and you love us anyway and you forgive us and you clean us up and you make us into the people that you want us to be. So help us to simply say yes. To simply take that next step wherever you may be leading, each one of us. Help us to discern, to understand what that step may be and to have the courage and the faith to follow. Lord, pour out your blessings upon all of us as individuals, upon all of our families, and upon our church that we may be a sign of your love to one another and to those who have not yet heard the gospel, who have not yet heard that call, so that they too can hear and respond and be saved. Lord, we trust you in all of this. And we pray this in your holy name.